0: How wrapped up are you in the Gabby Petito case? A lot of people are almost consumed by this. Uh, It's been the lead story on American Newscast for a long time, cable news devoting hours and hours and hours of coverage to this. There's a huge online community um, that has come together in an effort to solve this. Uh, It seems pretty clear cut. What happened here? If you're not familiar with the case, the short of it is: Gabby Petito was um, a 22-year-old who was um, engaged to Brian Laundry, and they were doing van life. Basically, they travel across the country and document their travels online, and she had a huge following, and a lot of people were interested in what they were doing. Uh, she went missing September 11th. Her body was found later in the Grand Teton campground. Um, and uh, he's vanished. He's disappeared. All kinds of questions: What happened there? That's the the long and the short of the case itself. But there's so much more to discuss here. First of all, why do we know about this case? Is a question a lot of people are asking. Um, why is the Gabby Petito case headline news across North America? It's been discussed a lot in Canada too. A lot of people say the simple answer is it's because she's a super cute white girl. Period. End of story. Because a lot of people point out, you know, there are lots of minority women who go missing all the time and they barely register so you know we need to take a look at that also what can it teach us about domestic violence situations and how they affect young women because they do quite a bit so there's a lot of different angles we can look at and maybe learn something about the way we view these kinds of incidents uh and why this one grabs so much attention so we're going to chat with elizabeth renzetti who's a journalist with the globe and mail she joins us now hi elizabeth thank you for your time today Glad to be here, Shay. So, yeah, why don't we just start, first of all, why are we talking about Gabby Petito? Why do you think this case became such a massive story when there's so many other stories every single day that barely get any attention?
1: Um, That's an excellent, excellent question. It's kind of the central question, and I think you touched on some of the reasons in your introduction, and in fact, if we think about, like, how you know, who can we name, um, you know, women in peril over the past, say, 10 years? Uh, Elizabeth Smart or Lacey Peterson, there are people who spring to mind, and they almost always fit a typical demographic, which is that they are um, young, middle-class um, white women, um, and those are the women who are actually not disproportionately affected by violence. So why are we concentrating on them? And I think it's because we have sort of culturally inherited this idea that those are people kind of more uh, deserving of sympathy or empathy than other people. But then there were also, there's this true crime element that you also got at, which I think we can't discount, and it has to do with the mysterious aspects of the um, crime and the fact that People are stuck inside with their computers right now, and so there's a lot of kind of internet sleuthing going on.
0: And we can't discount the fact that she had a pretty good following to begin with. She was quite popular on social media with her van life blogging.
1: She was indeed, and she um, the the image she presented of she and her fiancé was this kind of millennial, idealized vision of them on the road together in their van, quite in love, picture perfect, in front of these, you know, um, like landmarks of the United States West. And while we know in our hearts that most of what appears on social media is in some ways fabricated, it's not real, you don't see the totality of people's lives, it still is a very alluring picture. And so for there to be this disconnect between the picture, the idealized picture, and what actually happened to her, I think was quite shocking for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that before, right, in terms of um, what we see on social media is sort of the absolute perfect representation of our lives, but, uh, you know, especially when you're traveling and you're blogging, you've got that huge following. Clearly, we weren't seeing the full picture of Gabby Petito's life, and she was going through some things, some awful things, right?
1: And in that way, it is almost a very sad and tragic Metaphor for the crisis of domestic violence that we we face, because what happens often is that the couple presents uh, you know a, a, a happy face to the world, and the violence, whatever form it takes, takes place in silence yeah. behind closed doors in a house. and you most people don't know about it, and the people who are participating in it, don't often talk about it. The woman, it's predominantly women, although men are also affected, uh, don't often report it uh, for a huge variety of reasons. So in this way, it is kind of a really sad metaphor for domestic violence. Knock that fire down, 19.
0: Captain. let's move. ABC Thursdays.
1: Firefighters, were family.
0: Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet.
1: The subject has explosive chemicals.
0: Fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Um, what about her age? 22 years old. You know, I think when we think of domestic violence, that's not typically what comes to mind.
1: And yet, uh, as I mentioned in the column that I wrote last week, um, according to American statistics, uh, between the ages of 18 and 24 are the ages when women are most likely to report domestic violence. might be that that age group is more comfortable reporting. But it also says something about the fact that we have a very kind of outmoded idea of what intimate partner violence looks like. And it could be that these women, um, something like a third of women on campus, said they have been involved in an abusive relationship. So it could be that these women, you know, they're not in a traditional kind of marriage mm-hmm. and, you know, with a black eye. They could be involved in some kind of dating violence with the person they're seeing, perhaps even casually. Um, it, and violence takes different forms these days, too, which we aren't also... Um, really aware of, like, for example, what they call tech-enabled harassment. So that's where one partner uses technology to control, manipulate, and exploit the other partner. So young women are experiencing all of these things, um, and perhaps more often than we realize. And I think one aspect
0: to this case that I think a lot of people are going to if if it leads to something uh, and we can all hope that you know whenever there's a tragedy like this it leads to improvements in other areas a lot of people talking about the fact that concerned citizens called police and reported an incident i can't remember what town they were i think they were in utah somewhere uh, yeah. and said that he saw her hit, she saw they saw him hit her and reported right. it to the police and when the police showed up he managed to convince them that he was the victim Um, And it's sort of the way that we handle these kinds of incidents, generally speaking, right?
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of um, sort of schools of thought now, uh, you know, people who study um, this kind of violence who believe that we have to rethink the role of policing in investigating and approaching um, domestic violence. So for example, um they need police need better training. Obviously that's the very first thing. Um, they have to get rid of kind of old school ideas about you know, often they don't want to go to domestic violence calls. They're apparently like the most they consider them to be kind of the worst nuisance calls. And then the other thing is, what if police aren't the people who respond? What if we have, for example, social workers who respond with police backup in case things turn um, you know, nasty or violent? but that the first people who approach the situation are ones who are actually trained in de-escalation and mediation skills and that might actually um head off uh, problems getting worse or the violence getting worse
0: so what do you think happens with this i mean you mentioned other cases elizabeth smart uh cases like that this eventually will um exhaust its 15 minutes in the headlines and it will move on um do you think it, it will change things i mean because we're having the discussions now why is this case getting so much attention and so many minority cases aren't um why was it so poorly handled on and on the list goes do you think um h- how do we motivate that into being lasting change
1: well for me um i think two things would happen on a kind of societal scale we would for example look at um our own crisis of missing and murdered uh, indigenous women and put pressure on the government to actually implement the recommendations uh, of the report, which are two years old now and haven't been um, implemented. We would ask why, what are the systemic and societal reasons why um, Indigenous women face more violence uh, in this country, and why are their murders solved at a not solved as often as the murders mm-hmm. of white women. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is, I would hope, just on an individual level, that people might be more kind of have their ears perked up around them like to see signs in somebody around them because in a relationship that might be um, problematic Uh, for example we don't recognize this the the what is called coercive control so where one partner is very controlling and dominant and doesn't let the other partner like see their friends or you know use their phone or something like that so If we kind of recognize the signs early on more uh, better, we can intervene in our own circles of friends and family and say, hey, do you need help or do you want to talk or, you know, is there something going on?
0: Yeah, it's a a fascinating story. Uh, I appreciate your time so much, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You bet. That's Elizabeth Renzetti, who is a journalist with The Globe and Mail,